Is this the beginning of the end? There is no time to wonder, no time to ask why is it happening, why is it finally happening. There is time only for fear, for the piercing pain of panic. Do we pray? Or do we merely run now and pray later? Will there be a later? Or is this the day? I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the man in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reed's Cold, and you're listening to Tracks and Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 821 for Sunday, June 6th, 2021. I'm back this week with another episode of The Outer Limits. Today's episode is The Architects of Fear, starring Robert Culp and Geraldine Brooks. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you some more classic science fiction. I also want to thank everyone who took the time today to listen to me. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, you gotta play the control voice if you're gonna talk about The Outer Limits. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the control voice with some episode information, and then we'll get into The Architects of Fear. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image. Make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur. Or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits.
The Architects of Fear was the third episode of the first season. It first aired on ABC on September 30th, 1963. It was directed by Byron Haskin, and the screenplay was written by Meyer Dolinsky. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Robert Culp as Alan Layton. Geraldine Brooks as Yvette Layton. Leonard Stone as Dr. Philip Grainer. Martin Wolfson as Dr. Herschel. And Douglas Henderson as Dr. Federicks. That's it for information about that episode, so let's get into the episode itself. The Architects of Fear starts with a film of a nuclear attack with people running for shelter being shown to a group of scientists and doctors. These doctors and scientists work at United Labs, and they have come together to plan a fake alien invasion to affect, unite all of humanity against a perceived common enemy. Gentlemen... Monday's near miss was the fourth such incident since the thermonuclear age began. So long as the nations of this earth are armed against each other, we're bound to have more such accidents. And eventually, soon, one must prove fatal. These nations must unite. We, we must make them unite. And gentlemen, we can make them unite. We're here today to proceed with our plan. It is one of us who must submit to that ordeal. Now, I don't care what reading of history you take, the pattern is always the same. Whenever a bacteria invasion strikes, or a fire rages, or a wild beast roams the streets, then and only then do men stop fighting each other and work together to save themselves. A common enemy, a common fear, that is the only answer. If all the men of the Earth are threatened by an enemy from a hostile planet... Well, gentlemen, we are going to create that enemy out of someone in this room. To turn a human being into a thing like that. Suppose something goes wrong. The leading biologists and medical men of the world will be examining our enemy from outer space. And they will be fooled. Our studies, our surgical procedures, our entire plan is perfected. The man who's chosen will be as perfect as that thing in there. A perfect inhabitant of the planet Theta. The doctors and scientists cast lots, and physicist Alan Layton is chosen to undergo the radical surgical procedures that will transform him into an alien from the planet Theta. Yeah, a little higher to the left. Ah. You know, you could have had a great career in a Turkish bath. You want to know how we're going to do this? We'll call in the specialists as they're needed. I'm scheduled to do the basic medicine and ride herd on you if you want it that way. Well, don't just nod at them. You have to have complete... Phil, you're the only guy I'd choose. Your entire system's going to take an incredible jolt. You have to be able to handle it physically as well as, uh, uh, emotionally. Now, if you can't say so, there's no shame. We've been through all this. I know it. I don't think it's sunk in yet. Are you aware we're going to change every, every organ in your body? Yep.
as soon as I hit you with the calcis phylaxis and the producing hormone, there's no turning back, Alan. Yes. I'll be there in a moment, darling. Alan and his wife, Yvette, are walking past a maternity store when she tells Alan that her doctor has just cleared her to have children. Oh, come on. I can window shop here. I'm a married woman. Oh, isn't that pretty? Well, it's very pretty. It's uh, kind of for a special occasion, though, wouldn't you say? Oh, do you mean am I? No. Not yet. Honey. Dr. Truxell has warned you that you're just going to have to forget about that. Well, Dr. Truxell seems to have changed his mind. Well, what? About what? Oh, does. That's what I came in town for today. To see him. Everything's okay. Heart stopped murmuring. It's just beating now. I can have quintuplets if I want to. Maybe it only happened five years ago. Oh, Alan, you talk as if we're pushing 80. If something happened to me, how would you raise a child alone? Happened to you? Alan and Yvette spend their last night together before Alan fakes his death and begins his transformation into an alien creature. I hate to leave you. You have to go to Peru of all places. I didn't pick it. I know. Sometimes I wish you'd just take some plain old teaching job and a College in Podunk. A little late now, folks. Yeah. Still, I wish you high-powered scientific brains would do something about this world instead of tackling all those others out there. Could use a few good normal years ourselves. What made you say that? What, darling? Nothing. You know what we really need? To stop fighting among ourselves. Something else to fight, somebody else. <laughs> really, something has to come along that'll scare us all right out of our skins. We stop fighting each other, we start fighting the scarecrow. Hmm? That's a gorgeous solution. Well, honey, we don't exactly fight it, but we fear it, and so we unite against it. And if the threat continues long enough, we gradually become used to being united. We actually grow to like it. 
some scarecrows don't even scare crows. One might. Alan meets with the scientists who are going to create this alien spaceship that he's going to pilot back to Earth. Alan? Okay. It had to be different enough to have been conceived on the planet Theta, yet conformed to sound aerodynamic principles. What are you using for metal? We made a spectroscopic analysis and came up with something that fits Theta's mineral formation. It's three times lighter than aluminum, four times the tensile strength of steel. Now let me show you our overall plan. Once we get you into orbit, you'll line up with the Andromeda constellation. It'll look like you're descending directly from Theta. Then you move into the arc here to give you the correct re-entry angle. And you'll follow the flight pattern right to the UN. If you're on schedule, you should get there while the General Assembly's in session. Where do you want me to land? In the middle of the street? No, no. We want you to come down right on the terrace in front of the Secretariat. It's wide enough. If I miss by 100 feet, I'll be in the East River. <laughs> Don't worry. The capsule will float. And you can even propel it to the nearest shore. You better start learning to pilot your ship, Alan. Don't get too fond of that instrument panel. You're going to have one with an infrared display system. Learn quick, Alan. We've got a lot of work to do back at the lab. In fact, we should return tonight. Dr. Greener has to tell Yvette, who's now pregnant, that Alan has died in a plane crash over the Andes Mountains. You haven't heard from Alan, of course. Uh, yes, I, I have. Oh. oh, that. Why didn't he write to me? <laughs> It was a secret mission. I suppose it will be if they ever find the plane. No. I don't believe it. If he were dead, I'd know it. No, he's not dead. Dr. Greener and a group of other doctors and scientists are preparing to perform a series of transplants and body modifications to Alan to transform him into a Thetan. We're all familiar with kidney transplants. Our problem here is basically the same, except of course we have massive restructuring to do. I'll do our first procedure on the digestive tract, combining the esophagus and trachea in one tube. Why not begin with the blood chemistry exchange of iron to copper? Well, I know what you're thinking. It'll facilitate healing, but uh, it's too tricky. We don't know the overall effect. 
I was seasick. It's, it comes in waves. When did it start? Just now. Well, it could be yesterday's shots, but it should pass. How bad is it? There's something I can't handle. Yvette. She loved you very much. Phil, you will take care of her. Sorry. Doctor. I suggest three stages. Why not all major work? Stomach, lungs, gas diffusion in one operation. Healing will take weeks. How do we keep them alive? You're talking about respiration. We can handle it directly through the bloodstream. As a matter of fact, that'll give us a chance to recycle slowly from oxygen to nitrogen. I think it's too much. Easier on him than going through it two or three times. You might be right. Complications arise when the effects of Alan's transformation extend, to, extend beyond his physical appearance and begins to affect his mind. Alan attacks the scientists and destroys their lab. A couple days later, Dr. Greener tells Alan that he had a mental breakdown. You had a schizophrenic episode. When? A few days ago. We've had to keep you under sedation. I thought it was a nightmare. You did a lot while I was out. No, no, no. That's uh, normal tissue growth. Did I hurt anybody? No. And it won't happen again, so don't worry about it. We found a cause. It was one of the hormone extracts. We're going ahead. I'll prepare you for surgery. Yvette goes to the United Lab facility to pick up Alan's things. Alan is in the, in the building being operated on, and she can sense him. I want to see Dr. Gaynor. Yvette, you mustn't keep coming here. I have to ask you something. I came here to get Alan's things, and the strangest feeling came over me. I can't shake it. I have the feeling he's here. That you've lost someone very close, but you can't keep on with these morbid fantasies. Alan is gone. The other night, the phone. I went to answer it. There was no one there, Yvette, but... Yvette, now stop it. He's dead. Accept it. Please. Go home. You've got a baby to think about now. All of the operations are done, and Alan has made the transformation and has become a perfect specimen of the planet Theta. Can you hear me? It's blasting. Sorry, Alan, is that better? All right, you can answer us. You're hooked into the voice box. It'll make the sound for you. Come on, Alan. Keep at it. 
Imagine how it felt to speak. Odd sensation. To speak with nothing moving. You're doing fine. Go on. Very little pain now, but occasional bizarre nerve patterns. Toothache in arm, eyeballs itch, headache in back of neck. How about psychological reactions? At first, deep depression, lifting now, but feel removed in limbo. Thoughts, primitive, dream of Yvette. Press shops. Alan, Dr. Herschel's been coordinating plans for your space shot. He wants to talk to you. My mic registering? I just spoke to our people on the atoll. We're flying you out there. The plan is to send you into orbit as a weather satellite. The flight has been cleared with the appropriate government agencies. They have no idea, of course, that we're doing this. Once in orbit, you will be retro-rocketed to the pre-designated position then begin re-entry sequence to destination. At arrival, proceed directly to the General Assembly. See that they realize you are the first to come, that more can come at any moment. Alan, the laser weapon. Use it only as an emergency. Is there anything you want to say before... Absolutes. You know that better than anyone. I put your probability of success at 70, 80 percent. Millions of soldiers have gone into battle in wars of hate with less odds and with less cause. I did need that. Thanks. Alan is launched into orbit, but the mission goes awry when the spaceship goes off course and lands in a wooden area near the United Labs facility. Alan then encounters three hunters, and one of the hunters mortally wounds him with a shotgun. With nowhere else to go, Alan stumbles back to the lab. Yvette, sensing his pain, hurries to the lab looking for her husband. She arrives as Alan is coming into the lab, and he's hideously disfigured, enters, and collapses to the floor. Before dying from mortal wounds, Alan makes a sign in the air with his hand, one that his wife is familiar with. Alan! It's Alan! Yvette! Please try to understand. We, we thought that... I know what you thought. 
He told me what you thought. But how could you think? It could have been any of us. We drew lots. Men like you. Using tricks. A scarecrow would change everything. Killed him. And for what? Yeah. If he could go so far to save us all, maybe everywhere people, all of us, could, might be shamed into stooping just a little to save ourselves. Scarecrows and magic and other fatal fears do not bring people closer together. There is no magic substitute for soft caring and hard work, for self-respect and mutual love. If we can learn this from the mistake these frightened men made, then their mistake will not have been merely grotesque. It will have been at least a lesson, a lesson at last to be learned. And that's the end of The Architects of Fear. Now it's time for some trivia from The Architects of Fear. When this episode first aired, the alien was deemed too frightening to be shown on several ABC affiliates. Instead, they showed a black screen whenever the alien appeared. This was the last episode to include the extended intro sequence. The brief shot of Alan Layton midway through his transition into an alien creature was devised by actor Robert Culp and makeup artist Fred Phillips and was filmed without the knowledge or participation of the director, Byron Haskins. The operating theater set was used again in the following episode, The Outer Limits, The Man with the Power. The footage of the spaceship doing loops in the sky was also used in The Outer Limits episode, Specimen Unknown. The scene at the beginning of the episode where people were running for shelter was from the movie, The Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. And that's all I have for episode trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every TV show or movie I watch. Unfortunately, I could not find a Star Trek connection in today's episode of The Outer Limits. So let's get into my comments of The Architects of Fear. I watched the 2002 DVD set from MGM Home Video. The picture and sound quality were pretty good. Actually, they were really good. I really enjoyed re-watching this episode. This is one of my top three episodes of The Outer Limits. Number one being Xanti Misfits. Number two being Demon with a Glass Hand. And three being The Architects of Fear. I remember watching this episode when I was 9 or 10 years old, and it, it was pretty scary. 
Back then, The Outer Limits was in reruns, and it was on the Saturday, sci-fi Saturday afternoon when they showed The Outer Limits and 1950s B-movies, which you all know I love. Uh, the story in this episode was, was great. A group of doctors and scientists plan an alien invasion to unite man against a common foe. Doesn't get any better than that. That's a great start to an episode. I sometimes think that we might need an alien to come here to our planet so we can get our act together because I've been telling people for the, for the ages and everybody that knows me has heard me say this a million times. I'll be glad when the aliens come to eat us because that's the only way we'll act right is either they're going to come to conquer us or they're here to eat us. Um, as far as the cast, the cast did an excellent job. I really enjoy Robert Culp. I've been a fan of him since I used to watch him on uh, I Spy. That's how old I am back in the good old days with Bill Cosby. Um, he and Geraldine Brooks worked really great together. And I liked the bond that they had. They had an emotional bond, a physical bond. She knew when he was in pain, he always thought about her. It was, that was really good. And I think it made the story even better. Leonard Stone looked so familiar, couldn't figure out who, where he was from. So I had to go to IMDb and cheat and look, and he is Charlotte Beauregard's father in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The creature in today's episode was, was pretty tame by today's standards. I can imagine in 1963, a little kid being really scared of that. But a kid nowadays would go like, eh, that's not so scary. This is the episode is a must see. I would recommend this episode to all science fiction fans. It's a great episode. You can watch it on Amazon Prime or Apple TV. You can also pick it up on DVD from Amazon, but it's kind of spendy. On a scale from one to 10, I'm going to give Architects of Fear a solid 10. And those are my comments about the Architects of Fear. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up things today, I want to thank Rico again for giving me an opportunity to share with all of you some more classic science fiction. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. Rico will be back next week on the podcast. I'll be back soon with some more classic science fiction. Until then, everyone take care and stay healthy. This is M5 signing off.